Well, hello, EKN Nation. Welcome to a new edition of our EKN Debrief. In fact, it's episode number 111. It is Tuesday, April the 18th, 2023. My name is Rob Howden. David Cole will be joining me on this edition of the Debrief as we break down what happened at the finale for the 2023 Challenge of the Americas, the event happening uh, this past weekend on April 14th to 16th in Sonoma, California at Sonoma Raceway, one of the coolest tracks in the country. The racing was fantastic. Lots to talk about. Championships, of course, up for grabs for that. What was Championship Sunday? Uh, so let's dive into this thing. And, and this week's show will be presented by Mega Power. For over 20 years, Greg Bell has been building race-winning power for kart racers. The name on this program, Mega Power. If you want to win shifter kart races, it's time to put Mega Power on your kart. Mega Power specializes in gearbox engines such as the TMKZ, Rock Shifter, and IAMI Shifter, but with almost three decades of engine building experience, Bell develops winning motors for X30 and Mini Swift and everything in between. Increase your odds of winning in 2023 by calling Greg Bell today at 209-747-2613 to put Mega Power in your corner. All right, speaking of Mega Power, speaking of Greg Bell, they were tracks out on the weekend, as were David, many other of, of, of the teams. Uh, all, all told, uh, a packed paddock, as it normally is um, at, at the event. Uh, you know, the numbers uh, hitting around 117. But uh, the bottom line, we kind of wrap things up for the season, rounds five and six of what was a six-round, three-weekend championship. Yeah, the last of the winter series to conclude for the 2023 season. So now yeah. we're really into the racing season uh you know you couldn't tell it by the uh the weather here in michigan today but uh <laughs> it is a, it is the spring and summer season for sure uh and again kind of sad to wrap up another challenge year but uh it was a great season the 16th season for the program and two days of amazing racing uh without a doubt you know sonoma raceway always provides that you know, that's something we can always count on when we get there, no, no matter which direction, what layout you go to, you know, uh, Sonoma Raceway does provide that. And, you know, this year it certainly uh, held up to that uh, that stature. Uh, Andy Saisman and the whole FTK Promotions crew celebrating their 16th season of this Challenge of the America's Championship starting back in 2008. And David, you mentioned the temperatures. You can't you, you couldn't tell by that it's summer or spring at least by how it is where you are right now same thing up where i am in in, in ontario it's i think uh 30 something degrees up here right now but we were complaining throughout the weekend that although it was beautiful in sonoma kind of cool mornings we got into the low 60s mid 60s throughout the weekend it was like 79 degrees back home for you right it was it was warmer back in grand rapids than it was in sonoma 80s it was actually 80s. into the 80s oh. uh where my wife went to the actual beach uh, because it was so warm yeah. now, ne not necessarily sitting on the beach, but, you know, put, put their, uh, their toes in the 30 degree water. That is still, or maybe 40 degree water. That's, uh, in the, the Lake Michigan. Uh, but yeah, you know, that was the, the unique thing. And it was funny because as I was leaving, you know, uh, Detroit airport, they had to delay my flight because the, the cockpit and the, the plane itself was too hot. The sun was beating down on it, 80 degree weather. Uh, like noon, what around noon, I think was when I was in Detroit and they had to hook up uh, air conditioners to cool down the plane and they couldn't wow. take off. So <laughs> that, that was just unique. And, it, and it, you know, looking back at Facebook memories, it happened before, too, where Sonoma was colder than what it was in Michigan. So, again, uh -huh. something about Sonoma. There's one thing you can always count on is wind. And that's what keeps the temperatures, I think, cool. 
Yeah, it, it was a bit breezy throughout the weekend. More on Championship Sunday. The, the winds kind of picked up a little bit there. It was cooler in the morning, as I said. By the time we went live with qualifying, uh, it was around 50 degrees both days. We did get up into the low 60s. I think 65 was the high on Saturday. Uh, all told, just a, really a beautiful day. We had blue skies. There was some cloud in the morning on Saturday, but that burned off pretty quickly. It was just, it was just a really comfortable weekend. Yeah, you put a jacket on when it was colder in the morning when we had the wind, but it wasn't super cold. And it wasn't super hot and humid either. So it was all told a really strong weekend in terms of weather. Numbers wise, let's Dave, let's jump into this. We always do by the numbers. Really consistent across the board uh, for the challenge this year. And I know that Andy Saysman would rather see them up at 140, 150, but the numbers right around between 120 and 117, essentially the entire uh, program. So no real ups and downs. Sometimes we get a, you know, we used to get what we called the cow speed bump because you come to Southern California and people would jump on board and we'd, you know, get 20 or 30 more drivers. Sometimes you'll get some drivers from Rock Sonoma. We did get a bunch of drivers from Rock Sonoma. It's just that there were some of the drivers that ran Tucson and Phoenix didn't come to Sonoma. So the, the, the Rock Sonoma bump really just filled in the gaps of drivers who didn't show. Yeah, you know what we're really missing, in in all honesty, this year and maybe most of last year was the the Canada bump. We're not getting the same amount of Canadians coming down and racing the challenge. So I think, you know, we've had an influx of drivers from the U.S. and a few here and there from outside the U.S. But, you know, we used to have well over double digit, you know, Canadians racing at the challenge and competing and being involved in the championships and former champions that are Canadians. Uh, so I think that's part that maybe that's why we're not at the 140 to 150 range is we just don't have those guys, those drivers coming down across the border. Yeah, Dave, Dave you bring 20 Canadians down and you're there, right? You're, yeah, you're, you're right. There's a, there's a there's a, maybe what was there maybe 10 Canadians all total? I don't on the weekend? I don't even think 10. Yeah. I think, you know, you got a couple you got three or four that with were with Race Lab, um, you know, and then a couple others scattered in the paddock but yeah i mean less than 10 so we're not in the double digits in terms of canadians very very i would say we're probably close to double digits but maybe 10 because you had vme right they had they had two or three drivers for vme and uh and vince mandarino uh bbr was there as well the, the chokers were there and then race lab was there so but maybe 10 not 30 like we've had in past years Right. That's yeah. And we don't have as many teams. You know, we had a lot more teams coming down from Canada. You know, you talk about Jim Gregory, Uncle Jimmy used to bring, you know, a couple down with him and, you know, uh, Overdrive Overdrive. would bring bring a number of drivers down. Dollars, the dollars, the dollars, you know, that's, you know, at least two to three right there. So I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. So just just under 10. So not double digits this this weekend. There you go. Okay. Uh, so again, so it, across the across the board, the numbers actually stand pretty pretty solid. You know, they had a, a high of consistent, 11. yeah, yeah consistent. Uh, the the 11, 11 drivers was the high for Mini Rock. There was nine. Uh, the OCAN category right there between nine and ten. We ended up with eight this particular weekend. Uh, Rock Shifter actually getting the bump. That was one of the bumps, David. I think we got here up to eighteen drivers in the Rock Shifter category, which was pretty cool this weekend. It was that was a cool field. Eighteen's a solid field. Yeah, again, Shifter in NorCal is very popular, so that's what we thought we were going to get. We'd get, you know, got a number of walk-ups there. We just didn't get them in Rock Shifter Masters. We had, I think, over half the field were local, but they had already pre-registered, so we didn't get the walk-ups we wanted as that stayed at eight, so it was just one above the minimum or the low number in Phoenix at seven, So, but didn't quite get up to the 12 that we had in Tucson. So that's a bit disappointing. Uh, considering, you know, again, North, Northern California has been a very predominant shifter-based uh, region. 
Indeed. And of course, the high water mark for the, the challenge, the 100cc category, senior and junior, 35 drivers in senior 100cc, uh, 32 in the junior 100cc. And the bottom line is, man, that those big fields put on great racing, not only up front, but there was some awesome battles mid-pack as well. Yeah, and a lot of trauma throughout two, two yeah. days of racing for sure. And even in the Masters 100cc, you know, the championship going down to the wire, uh, even though we had seven drivers, it was still champ. That was the closest championship we had uh, in in the on the weekend. Yeah, no doubt, two points. And we'll get to that later on. When we roll in, folks. Our first commercial break has come upon us. When we get back. David and I'll talk a little bit about the paddock pass. Give you some information that happened off the track. Just more stuff that's happening in the paddock itself. Stay tuned. More to come. This edition of the debrief here on the EKN Radio Network. It's a multi-time world champion, and it's a Supercarts USA Super Nationals winner. It is Sodicart. And starting in 2023, the Sodi brand has found a new home here in the U.S. Sodi Racing USA is the new exclusive importer of the Sodicart chassis line under the karting distribution banner, led by industry veteran Terry Germanovich. The French manufacturer Sodicart is a leader within the karting industry, offering a wide range of products and services. The Sodi Racing chassis line offers product in classes from Mini to KZ, all based on years of development and championship seasons around the world. Sodi Racing USA has already begun establishing its dealer network, working with the Karting Collective on the West Coast, and recently signing PK Sport to serve as a dealer and the official race team on the East Coast. Visit Sodi-Racing-USA.com to learn more about the Sodi Kart chassis line or call 954-634-5111 to become part of the Sodi Racing USA network today. Sodi Kart, the world leader in the karting industry. All over the karting world, everyone knows OTK is the gold standard for quality and performance. In the U.S., OTK USA is the source for all things OTK. From the legendary Toady Kart brand to the race-winning Cosmic and Xpree chassis, and now the new Red Speed and EOS brands, OTK quality is second to none. All five brands are winning races and championships across the country in national programs like the Rock Cup USA Florida Winter Tour and the Challenge of the Americas, the Scusa Pro Tour and Winter Series, and the Pro Kart Challenge, United States Pro Kart Series, and the WKA Manufacturers Cup. And OTK products are also front and center on the podium of club and regional races from coast to coast. To learn more about a specific product line, you can find the OTK USA dealer near you, whether it's Tony Kart, Cosmic, Xpree, Red Speed, or EOS, visit www.otkusa.com. Specific chassis territories are still available, so kart shops interested in adding a winning component to their product lineups and contact OTK USA directly. History, success, family. Those are the three words that can describe Comet Kart Sales, one of the longest tenured karting businesses in the United States. The family owned operation located just outside of Indianapolis has provided carts, parts and services for thousands of racers in the near six decades of business. Their online store features everything you need, 
continually adding new parts to their product line. From full carting packages, new engines, spare or replacement parts, and safety gear, find it all at CometCartSales.com. Their Comet Racing Engine service has won multiple major events and championships over decades of karting and continues to offer the best trackside service in the industry, specializing in IAMI X30, IAMI Swift, and other two-cycle power plants. Make sure to head to CometCartSales.com or call them at 317-462-3413 to be part of the Comet Cart Sales family today. Welcome back to episode number 111 of our EKN Debrief, which wraps up our EKN Trackside Live coverage, the Race Report podcast. Today, of course, talking about the finale of this year's Challenge of the Americas that took place in Sonoma, California. Rob Howden alongside David Cole. Uh, jumping right now into the Paddock Pass, David, brought to you by Acceleration Kart Racing. Acceleration Kart Racing has everything you need to go racing, from tires to helmets. They have a great website for you to order from, and kart racers ready to pick up the phone and answer your questions six days a week. With over 20 years of kart racing under their belts, Acceleration Kart Racing has the experience to help you succeed on the racetrack. You can rely on them to get the parts you need when you need them. Make Acceleration Kart Racing your go-to source for everything karting. Head to www.shopakr.com. All right, there we go, David. Let's dive into this thing. The Paddock Pass brought to you by Acceleration Kart Racing. Uh, let's get you rolling first and foremost. Uh, you know, it's on the, on the minds. A lot of stuff is happening, but the OKN category, their third event as part of the challenge. Yeah, that, that was kind of the focus at the opener in Tucson, and it's been, you know, something we're continuing to watch being the, the first real championship anywhere in the world that is running the OKN uh, engine platform. And so, again, you know, it's it's in its baby steps. It's taking, uh, you know, a little bit of time to get the manufacturers uh, up to speed on, on getting pr- product out there and into the hands of the competitors. So that's kind of still what we've been watching. Uh, TM was obviously the first one that we've seen to uh, to get up to speed quicker and was the engine of choice at Tucson, Phoenix, and of course in Sonoma. We do now have the Vortex joining the Modena engine. So we do have three different engines in the United States right now, but uh, everybody in on the grid in Sonoma was on the TM. So we had Blake, Blake Nash test out the Vortex on Thursday, but obviously they said, uh, they need a little more time to to find out uh, what adjustments it needs and and how to get it uh, working uh, at the uh, optimal pace. So it wasn't quite the engine choice yet for for Blake Nash or or any of the other drivers who may have a vortex already. Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting storyline, right, David? As the season rolls on, there's a couple of other uh, organizations like the Stars Championship that will be running this. Uh, uh, this OKN class, we'll see what kind of engines populate their grids. And of course, that, uh, you know, we get back around to the other side and start the challenge again in, in February of 2024. Uh, we'll see, you know, obviously Vortex will have had time to be on the engine builder's bench, right? It'll it'll have some dyno time. The guys will well, be working on it, right? So we'll see how it plays out. Or later this summer at the Rock the Park. That's true. We'll get to that one too. That'll be that, that's well, you know what we can, let's just transition right into that right now. Right into that. Uh, Andy Sazen at the drivers meeting was talking to everybody about the Rock the Park event. Of course, the park referring to the Pat's Acres Racing Complex, one of the legendary facilities in American karting. We were there last year with with I, I just makes me laugh every time I talk about it. But it was the <laughs> California the California Rock Championship that was t- that took place in Oregon last year. Uh, I, again. That was feedback from everybody that runs in the challenge. Hey, we're going to run this 
the you know the California Rock Challenge where, a Championship. Where do we want to go? We want to go up to Pat's Acres. Andy Sazeman ends up making it a one-off event. So the California Rock Championship last yeah. year was run at the park, but it was a great time up at Pat's Acres. Yeah, let's go to uh, 2021 when yeah. there was still a series and and the the Pat's Acres was one of the stops. So there, I can't remember the other two events that they went to, uh, but Pat's Acres was one of the rounds. And then so go to 2022 – uh, they decide to cancel the the other events in the California Rock Championship program because of go. numbers and support and the schedule being just too weighted. So it was like, let's just have a one-off event and, and at Pat's Acres because it was such a success. So that, that was 2022. Now you're turning into 2023, and it's going to be the Rock the Park event, and it's going to be a special one-off event, no different than what you see with Rock Fest or or other, you know, one-off races that you see throughout the season. Uh, but yeah, it's again, just a chance for everybody to enjoy the summer months up in Oregon. Yeah. yeah obviously you know, there's a lot of people with rock engines, man. And, and you want, you want to be able to go racing. Some of them run rock Sonoma, others, you know, maybe not in the Sonoma area, want to run a big race. And again, as we said, we were there last year, uh, David at Pat's acres. And of course the Agar family rolls out the red carpet the track itself, just legendary. It's a fantastic track, very raceable uh, and a ton of fun just to drive. But the whole area itself, you know, the, the, the facility. So, you know, bring your camper, right? Bring your tents if, you, if that's what you want to do. But, you know, we camped overnight. We were grilling out at night. Uh, you know, Andy and the guys talk about probably getting a live band for, for Saturday night, doing some barbecuing. Uh, again, just having more of an event involved in this thing in, 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 the, you know, in the middle of summer at one of the best racetracks in the country. Yeah, it's not going to be just another race. That's the one thing that they, they've, they've kind of guaranteed – uh, you know, following last year's race, it, w- it wasn't just another race. It was it was an event, um, you know, and adding the the off track stuff. That's going to be something that will be uh, a key factor to that, because, again, they're going to they're going to make it. a. F- it's a fun f- going to be a fun filled weekend. You know, yeah. there's no championships on the line. It's go up there, enjoy the racetrack, enjoy each other's uh, company. And, you know, like you said, camp out, have fun and, and enjoy a good time. Uh, at Pat's Acres. I like it. All right. Continuing on with the Paddock Pass presented by Acceleration Cart Race, one, Cart Racing. One of the things that you know happened, of course, in the month of March, uh, and it really in the let's just say through the season first, is the fact that Sodi Racing USA has been formed. Of course, Sodi Cart, one of the primary uh, international manufacturers, not only for competition carts for, but for rental uh, carts as well. But Sodi Racing USA being established to get this brand really re-cemented into American karting uh, on the. East Coast, they're working with PK Sports on the on the West Coast. Uh, the Karting Collective has been running the Sodi brand for the last number of years. But Sodi Racing USA bringing Harley Keeble over, a factory driver uh, from England, running for the factory team for, for Sodi uh, over in Europe, coming over and running the Scuso Internationals with PK Sports and did incredibly well. But then came out as well, uh, David, to come and run uh, here at the, uh, the Challenge with Karting Collective. And uh, that was fun to talk to the Karting Collective guys for a while. Uh, but yeah, Keeble was right there. There was a, there was a ton of Sodi carts on track throughout the weekend. Yeah, it was it was a very you could see that brand in nearly every category out there. So yeah. it's good to see that. But it, it's good to talk to Keeble. I wasn't at the the Winter Nationals, so I wasn't able to get a chance to speak with him. So it was good to speak with him, get his viewpoint on racing here in the U.S. and and you know learn a little bit about him. And uh, you know he knows he got he has the single speed stuff. That's what he did as a junior, so he knows that stuff. But the the hundred cc stuff that was something different. He hadn't quite been in something that slow in a while. So 
Um, you know, when I say slow compared to X30 or KZ, KZ or yeah. any of those. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, he, it took him, you know, obviously the Thursday to get accustomed back to driving that and slowing himself down and, and getting more comfortable with it. And certainly was a story all weekend long. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it obviously when we get into the actual race report, but Harley Keeble was right in the middle of the scrap all weekend long, end up uh, winning one of the races and we'll see whether or not we'll get Harley back for some more races. I'll drop an email over to, Oh, uh, it's. It's, it's already- confirmed. Yeah. He's already going to be at USPKS um, All right. for the Texas race here in two weeks. Uh, and I Damn. think maybe a couple more as well. All right. There you go. Harley Keeble is going to have that Sodi cart uh, on track at a number of different events. That'll be the third different organization that we'll see uh, he, he running a Sodi cart. So again, lots to talk about throughout the season. And that wraps up this edition of the Paddock Pass, folks. Another quick break. We get back. Time to dive into the race report. We got uh, seven categories to roll through in this edition of the Debrief. You want the best, you just got to roll with the best. Streeter Superstands. This is Jeff Wessel from StreeterSuperstands.com. You wouldn't put subpar parts on your racing cart, so why put that cherished ride of yours on anything but karting's number one lifts and stands, Streeter Superstands. Streeter is the original and genuine manufacturer of the second-to-none Bigfoot rolling stands, stackers, uprights, and industry-leading superlift. We also manufacture and sell the largest and always growing roster of trailer and shop accessories like tire, engine and jug racks, cabinets, spray can trays, beat breakers, and tons more to outfit any size trailer, team, and budget. Streeter Superstands has over 30 continuous years of experience. Brick cart racers just like you and know that the Streeter name represents the absolute best in stands, lifts, and accessories for karting enthusiasts worldwide. Durability, affordability, unmatched quality, and customer service, that's what sets us apart from the rest. Check us out now at StreeterSuperstands.com. Roll with the best, StreeterSuperstands.com. Ready to step up your game? Joining the Rawlison Performance Group is the obvious choice to take your racing to the next level. Industry-leading driver development is provided by our staff of multi-time national champions, Super Nationals winners, and Team USA members. And at the same time, RPG continues to be a national level powerhouse race team. Our goal is to help you raise your game and win races. We work with all age groups and are focused on developing those cadet and junior drivers who are ready to take the next step in their racing program. Rawlson Performance Group has set a new standard with our in-house engine program, AVP Engines, headed by Alex Vincent. AVP has become the benchmark in IAMI competition. We have the largest OTK inventory that follows our race team, providing trackside parts at all the major events in North America. RPG also offers multilingual support with French, Spanish, and Portuguese-speaking staff. If you want to fight for championships or want to improve your skills and your chances to win, the answer is to call RPG at 503-260-4514. The Rawls Performance Group. We race to win. It all started in 1994, when former successful kart driver Albino Perlin decided to move his passion for karting from the track to his small workshop. That's when Perlin was born. Fast forward 20 years and Perlin's passion for the sport led to the company rejoining international competitions as a factory team in WSK and CIK FIA races with the aim of enhancing the research and development process, immediately achieving notable results around Europe, North America and Asia, becoming the CIK FIA Asia Pacific KZ champion in the same year. 
Parallel USA is North America's source for Parallel products, and we run a factory team at all of the major Supercarts USA and Rock Cup USA events. The Parallel chassis lineup for 2021 includes the Invader Shifter, the Le Mans Tag Single Speed Chassis for Junior and Senior Classes, and the 28mm Mini Cart for the Cadet Classes. Parallel has been winning races all over the world. And it's on top of the podium in the USA as well, with drivers like Kai Sorensen, Mateus Arjuela, and Alessandro de Tullio. Get on the chassis that's winning. Drive a Parolin. For more information, head to ParolinUSA.com. Welcome back to the Ken Radio Network and the debrief of the Challenge of the Americas finale at Sonoma uh, Raceway this past weekend, April 14th to 16th. Rob Howden and David Cole here. Let's dive into this now with the race report presented by DID Chain. Powered by technology, DID racing chains have a worldwide reputation for superior quality and reliability. A rich racing tradition where results speak for themselves, DID prides itself on engineering the most technologically advanced chains on the market to help you excel on and off the track. DID's SDH pin treatment creates an extremely hard chromium carbide layer on the pin surface that houses a soft inner core to absorb extreme shock loads. DID's 219 HTZ racing chain boasts this SDH pin technology, which leads to a longer chain life, as well as excellent energy transmission to the wheels. Available in the gorgeous gold, the 219 HTZ is the ultimate racing cart chain. Pick up a DID chain at your local dealer today, because when winning is the only thing that matters, go with DID. All right, Dave, we're going to start here with Rock Shifter, presented by Sweet Tech. Here is the headline. Pickett sweeps main events. Gulick earns title. Yeah, going into the weekend and seeing Hunter Pickett on the entry list, you kind of put him as the uh, the leader of the pack going into the weekend, I and mean, he was certainly that. Saturday was a clean sweep for him, uh, setting fast time and qualifying, winning the pre-final and going wire to wire in the main event for the victory. Championship leader Jacob Gulick was second, put in a little pressure there at the end of the race, but just not quite able to make a move. Uh, so it's kind of good to see those two former teammates going head to head against one another on the weekend. Keon Tandon in the third spot. So good podium finish for him with Brian Keck, the master driver, finishing fourth ahead of championship contender Macy Williams. Yeah, one of the other uh, drivers I was watching on the weekend, as well as Preston Lambert for Speed Sense Motorsports on the x He had a pretty good running. It hasn't had a lot of time in shifter cars, but was diving in there. He's been running with Sodi. Uh, sorty cart over in Europe. And there was one, there was one instance I just want to bring up because he was coming across the front straightaway and making a pass to the inside. And it's a curving straightaway at Sonoma, got kind of a big sweeping right curve running in that direction in the clockwise direction. He got pinched down. He was the full right sides in the grass, full pin coming through. I know that uh, Derek Escabel, the flagman took evasive maneuvers, but he just did the lift, got the pass done going into the turn. Number one, I thought Preston did a great job, but again, up front, as you said, Hunter Pickett, Again, this guy's been, uh, you know, the top of his game and, and a front runner in, in in gearbox racing in the U.S. for many years here now. And, and home home turf, Pickett's going to be hard to beat, right? Yeah, he he was hard to beat on Saturday, but Sunday was a different story. Let's didn't talk quite about that. Come, didn't quite yeah. come out of the gate uh, quick like he did on Saturday, as Keon Tannen was able to set fast time and qualifying. Got to enjoy that interview with Sean Beer that he wanted to do so much. Uh, <laughs> on the weekend and then held it up through the pre-final. He had Gulick and Pickett right there on his bumper throughout the race, but was able to score the win. Main event, however, it was a whole shot victory by Hunter Pickett as he was able to get by 
uh, Tandon, I think he, I'm not sure if he started second or third. Do you recall second, that? I think second, second. Off, so outside from the, the outside row. of the front and row, rolled the outside of one, rolled, right? Yep. And that's, you know, shifters was the only category we saw that happen. We'll get yep. into that later. Um, but yeah, so Pickett grabbed the whole shot and, uh, managed to, uh, to pace Tandon throughout the race. Uh, Gulick was right there in third, but unfortunately retired halfway through the race with a flat left rear tire. So uh, took him out of the running for the main event, but uh, up front it was Pickett winning over Tandon. Yeah, and, got, and Michael Avancino coming home in the uh, uh, the third spot. He was kind of right there in the top five, top seven throughout the entire weekend, running the Croc promotion, and, yeah, and got Suns. up. What's that? Sorry, I was say yeah. Sunday was a great performance. By yeah, him. no, he's super he's, super speed. Yeah, ste- stepped up big time and literally pulled away. It's while, while Pickett and Tandon were kind of racing up front. Avancino was not that far back in third spot. He left yep. Keck behind him, Williams, Lambert, everybody behind him. You know, it would have been a third or fourth. He, him would have been potentially battling with Gulick other than the issue, as you said. But, man, I thought it was a real breakthrough run for Avancino to be able to go P3. Very impressive drive. Yeah, again, a Sunday performer possibly by him. But uh, it was a good run. Uh, got, you know, figured everything out for Sunday and was right there throughout the day. Uh, all told, one of the drivers that actually did lock things down on Saturday in terms of the championship. We know that coming into a weekend like that, uh, the championship weekend here in the challenge with one drop. If you get enough points by Saturday, you can drop Sunday. So Gulick locked things in. Uh, he was, of course, a winner on the season. Pickett got a couple of wins. Macy Williams got a victory as well, as we know, at Tucson. She ends up second, David, in the points. 83 back. She continued to push the entire, uh, the entire season long. Came up just short there at 83 points. And then P3, Ethan Boer, although didn't have a great, uh, you know, got taken out, I think, in the Sunday main event. But a really a pretty pretty impressive uh, debut in the challenge for Ethan Boer for GFC. That young driver finishing third overall. Yeah, two podium finishes at Phoenix. Uh, had two top fives as well in Tucson. You know, as you said, yeah, Sunday, Sunday in Sonoma didn't go his way. I think he had a broken shifter lever. Oh, okay. uh, that took him out and put him in the in the back of the the, uh, the grid for the main event. So. Uh, uh, again, uh, yeah, a tough way to end the series, but uh, a good, solid third place in the championship. Uh, another category that got locked down on Saturday was Rock Shifter Master, brought to you by uh, Ron White Racing. Here is the headline. Vitolo wins to clinch title. Barber dominates Sunday action. Yeah, we thought Vitolo wasn't going to have a challenge throughout the weekend, but Tim Barber making his challenge debut said otherwise. You know, yeah. the Sodicart driver. <laughs> Uh, laid down a solid lap in qualifying, won the pre-final, but just came up short in the main event. Vitola was able to grab the whole shot and lead the entire 20-lap distance with Barber right there on his bumper, just unable to make any type of move uh, as Vitola was able to clinch his uh, fourth victory on the season, which essentially locked up the championship for him. Yeah, uh, Vivek Tannen finishing in the third spot. Of course, the, the father of uh, Keon Tannen ran the pro category. Vivek on the GFC running in the Masters class. He's been a, a shifter car driver for probably a decade and a half, probably running in Southern California. So good to see him back out there as well, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, P3. Yeah, Bill I, Piles I think he was there at the... Keep going. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> Yep, the internet's locking up. Uh, oh, okay. I would say, yeah, I think we saw him back in uh, when the Pro Tour started racing yeah. faster. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, Bill Piles ended up P4 on the CRG, and Samuel Gluss rounded out the top five. Uh, another one of the Sodi Kart drivers from the Carding Collective. They had a number of drivers in this Master Shifter class. I want to say three or four, uh, including Barber. Tim Barber obviously kind of setting the pace. I'm sure they were pouring over his data because – 
David, he was just bad fast all weekend long. Qualified on pole, pre-final win, and, and was untouchable as well in the final and then getting the victory there as well. Barber just really dominated things on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, Vitolo just didn't quite have the pace that Barber did. And uh, it was certainly kind of a walkway. Even in the main event, Tandon made a, made an attempt on uh, Vitolo, got ahead of him early on in the race. I didn't see the move, but you have here made a strong move on Vitolo in turn six. So yeah. Yeah, opening lap, right? The opening lap run came out of five, got a better run, and and went at him immediately on colder tires, right? Got down to the inside, which is you know the turn six left hander that leads over to the main OSs and the back over to turn number nine. Just made a good move to the inside, you know. Vitolo settled in and eventually got back by, but it was good to see Tandy get aggressive, right? Like I got to get in front of this guy; he's quick, so he made a push hard and and got it on the opening lap. But Vitolo eventually made his way back up to second. Yeah, so Vitolo second, Tandon in third, Andrew Waite on the Sodi cart in the four spots was able to work out the gremlins he had on Saturday to finish in the top five with uh, Samuel Gloss in the fifth spot. Yeah, Gloss and Waite battled uh, over the first half of the 20-lap main event, then Waite was able to pull away at the end there to get that fourth position, so good job for Andrew Waite. Championship-wise, one driver we, of course, didn't talk about because he was not trackside, that's Nick George, who was there for the first four rounds, but not there for rounds five and six. That's what kind of opened the door for Vitolo to not get challenged at all. Vitolo wins the title by 190 points. And Bill Piles, who was at all six rounds, uh, finishing in fourth on Saturday in round number five, ends up P3 overall. Uh, good job for the veteran driver. One of the nicest guys you'll find in the paddock. Yeah, very nice guy. Maybe. And you see him road racing as well, too. So yeah. uh, challenge during the winter and road racing in the summer. I don't. I, how long has Bill? I, I, Bill's been probably racing for at least 30 years. Oh, it's got to be more than that. I, right? I don't. Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to go crazy and no. say like, like you know, like insulting. I, I well, I recall him posting photos from the '80s, so it's got to wow. be. I'm 44, so it's got to be around that around wow. that year. Yes. And again, like I said, Bill's a guy that does road racing, sprint races as well. So it's absolutely loving the, uh, having fun with what he's doing. Sprint racing right now in the CRG was under the Ron White Racing tent this past weekend. This is a guy that keeps himself in. in tip-top shape to make sure he's able to keep running shifter carts. So uh, all the kudos to Bill Piles uh, for being there in the end. Awesome job. All right, then let's go into a commercial break right now. And we'll come back. Got to keep going with this race report. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be back after these quick messages. Are you ready to go from carts to cars? Since 1975, the Skip Barber Racing School has taken great drivers and made them champions. Today, we're proud to welcome the next generation of winners. Make the transition from carts to cars with the Skip Barber Formula Race Series. You'll compete at the most iconic tracks in America. Race weekends include your very own equalized Formula 4 race car, a professional crew, expert instruction, video and data analysis, hospitality, and more. This is the place to fulfill your dream of becoming a champion. Sign up today by calling 866-932-1949 or visit us at skipbarber.com. The new face of competitive karting in the Pacific Northwest region is Race Lab. The full-service karting operation is located at the state-of-the-art Kartplex facility in Oliver, British Columbia, Canada, providing everything you need to hit the track or put yourself in a successful driver development program. Race Lab is the official North American distributor for the TB Kart chassis brand, providing the full range of models from kid kart to shifter kart. Villeneuve Racing Karts is their flagship product available only through Race Lab. 
The brand carries the name of Formula One champion and Indianapolis 500 winner Jacques Villeneuve with each model produced by TV Cart. Cartplex, the home of Race Lab, is situated on the grounds of the Area 27 Motorsports Park. From full arrive and drive TV cart rentals to leagues and competition karting, the facility provides a new home to developing the future stars of motorsports, all beginning at Cartplex with Race Lab. Follow Race Lab on social media on Facebook and Instagram, or load up their website at www.theracelab.ca to learn more about TV cart and Villeneuve racing carts. Race Lab, race with us, win with us. Made in the USA, it's not just a statement, it's the mission at Factory Carts of America. Led by four-time Supernats champion Billy Musgrave, Factory Carts manufactures their frames completely in-house at the Riverside, California facility. Built and designed from the ground up specifically for the American karting market, Factory Carts brings new innovations and solutions that are long overdue. Factory Carts bring together the highest quality materials to produce a high-performance, long-lasting cart that has been designed and perfected from three years of development, with a focus for a big push across North America in 2023. No other karting manufacturer stands behind its product like Factory Carts does, providing a two-year warranty on all their frames. Do you remember when American-made meant innovative, original, stronger, faster, and just plain better? Well, American-made is back. Contact Factory Carts today to join the American-made movement. Learn more by visiting factorycarts.com or email Billy anytime at info at factorycarts.com. Welcome back to the EKN Debrief, episode number 111 here. We're getting things to go, set to go as we kind of diving into the middle of our race report of the challenge of the America's finale at Sonoma. David, uh, DID Chain, the sponsor of the race report. Let's jump into the OK Engines class. We talked about it a bit earlier. They had a bit of a different approach to the weekend. P1 Engines, the sponsor. It wasn't a two two event weekend. It was a one event, more of a CIK FIA with, with uh, qualifying heat races, pre-main and main. Uh, here's the headline. Nash continues domination for $500 payday. Blake Nash. That's all we need to say. Uh, <laughs> Done. Move on. Done. Move on. Uh, yeah, you know, led every session. Never. Re- I, think, I think it was maybe Heat 2 that he did did get passed by Dustin Salaveria. Uh, so it wasn't a complete domination. So he did relinquish the top spot for a couple of laps. But at the end of every session, so qualifying all three heat races, pre-final, final, it was Blake Nash at the top of the order. Uh, the main event was a, a seven-second margin of victory as basically second and behind were all very similar in pace. You had Dustin Salaveria, you had Dane Idelson, Anthony Freeze, uh, Flavio Aquini. He was really picked up the pace from, yeah. from Tucson and Phoenix. So certainly found a little bit more uh, for the Sonoma weekend, but all of them in the hunt along with Derek Wang and uh, Billy Cleveland trailing right there, uh, both making their okay and debuts as well. So uh, it was really interesting to kind of watch everything behind Blake Nash on the weekend. Yeah. I think the, the key obviously to, you know, everybody kind of settled in through the, the heat races. Salivario was kind of the second guy there. Uh, he, he started second as well on the, the grid for the pre-final. Anthony Freeze was right there, but Salivari and Freeze did not make it to the end of the pre-final. 
So they ended up st- remember they started on the on the back. They were on row number and, four. And Salaveria had a uh, a disqualification for having the wrong tires. So there that was okay. why he was in the back of the main event grid. Yeah. So so and the, again when they started rolling uh, from the outside of the front row, Dane Idelson started in second. He jumped into that position quickly. Uh, Aquini then kind of attacked quickly and was able to get by. He goes into second. Aquini had a really good run on the ITEL course. Fantastic for that young driver. I think just 14 years of age, 14 or 15 for Aquini. I was talking to his dad. Uh, he had a great run to second spot. For Salavaria, they, he and Freeze did not die. Well, obviously, you're trying to get by two of the best Masters drivers we've had in, in American karting in Derek Wang and uh, Billy Cleveland. They were not making it easy. So it took a while for Salavaria to actually even get his way up into fourth. And then he tried to chase down Idelson and just couldn't find a way by. Yeah, just again, they're still learning how to pass with the OKN platform because, again, there's no clutch to be able to get you out of the hole. So passing, especially in a lot of the 180 corners that they do have here, a little bit difficult because you'd like to park it. But if you park it, you're going to stall the engine. Yeah, so, <laughs> so guys are learning how to, that's one of the things that guys are still learning how to pass. You know, that's something we saw throughout the weekend. We did see contact that during the heat races that kind of shook up the order, you know, behind Salaveria as well. So um, yeah, it just, it just wasn't quite, you know, Salaveria wasn't quite able to, to, to make the passes where he could uh, and had to settle for that fourth spot behind Aquini and Idelson. Uh Kiriakisukas was in the mix throughout the weekend. Um, you know, he was one of the fast drivers on Friday and fast Friday. So he was, yeah. uh, we thought we were going to see him be able to battle with Blake Nash, but unfortunately just couldn't find the pace uh, throughout the rest of the weekend and then had an exhaust actually break. The silencer broke off uh, from the, uh, the the actual exhaust itself. Um, so he had to record a, a DNF in the main event. Was he not running? I think he was running third at that point, right? Too. He was in the top five for top sure. Five yeah, for he sure, was, yeah. he was battling with Aquini and Idelson and Salivaria yeah. for sure. All right, let's move on to the mini rock class brought to you by Alex keys racing. Here is the headline Wagner and Calderon bring total to five different winners on the season. Yeah. Even though the numbers aren't large, we still had a number of different winners, uh, in the mini rock category throughout the year. So to have five different winners and six rounds of racing, that's a, a pretty good uh, asterisk and, and good bullet point to, to carry on for uh, the category moving into next year. Again, just kids graduating and, and waiting for the next crop of young drivers to come up into the mini rock division. Uh, home track, you know, that's something we always talk about at Sonoma. Mateo Calderon knows the Sonoma Raceway. That's where he's gotten his start. Uh, and was certainly the driver to beat uh, throughout the weekend, set up fast time in qualifying and won the pre-final. But it was a, a three driver fright, fight up front between him, uh, championship leader Gabriel Balog and Brandon Wagner. Uh, a lot of swapping for the lead early on uh, and everything kind of settled into the final lap. Uh, Balog was leading. They had down to tic-tac-toe, a little bit of contact through the tick and the tack, sent yep. Belog wide, slowed Wagner's pace down. So that allowed Calderon to slide into the second spot as Belog rejoined the racetrack a little bit further than he should have, according to officials. Uh, and yeah, he, said he essentially missed turn four. Right? Essentially he, missed turn four, yeah. yeah. Kind of cut the inside of four. And so... Blog was leading as, as they rejoined the racetrack ahead of Calderon. A lot of defensive moves. Uh, and then as they got onto the, the front straightaway there, a little bit of contact between uh, he and Calderon. That slowed Calderon's pace. Blog was actually able to cross the line first. Wagner 
slid ahead into the second spot ahead of Calderon, but officials penalized Belog for uh, uh, cutting, cutting the racetrack. Cutting the track, yeah. Thus was, uh, had the victory taken away, and that moved Braden Wagner up to the top spot of the podium. Yeah, and, and obviously, listen, when we all get in sudden done, uh, huge for Braden Wagner on the GFC because this tightened the championship significantly. Belog came in with the lead in the in the championship. Uh, so this really tightened things up with that win. So again, it's it's Wagner, Calderon, and the, the penalty to Belog actually dropped him all the way down into fifth because Julian Sanchez in the GFC and Luca Popescu in the National Motorsports EOS were right there as well. So Sanchez ends up going up to third, Popescu in fourth. Belog goes all the way back to fifth. So again, win for Wagner, yeah. get for Belog, tightens things up going into the main of uh, going into the uh, the championship Sunday race. Uh, again, though, David in qualifying, uh, Matteo Calderon getting it done. He goes P one. Yeah, and before I get into Sunday, just to kind of preference how the season has gone, I think this was like almost the fifth different main event that was decided off the racetrack because oh, really, okay, yeah, like Wagner, I think had a victory in Phoenix, but uh, mm. had a starting infraction. So yeah. he lost that one blog, got that victory. Uh, I, I want to say there was another one in Tucson as well, too. I think Popsky won a race somehow through a penalty. So again, there was just, all right. again, it's, it's a young division. They're learning as they go out there. You know, sometimes <laughs> there's mistakes and, you know, it might cost you a victory. So that's something that we we've kind of seen throughout, throughout the season in this category. So yeah. won't be the, won't be the first, won't be the last, right? <laughs> as I said, Calderon comes out of the gate strong on championship Sunday, but David, the driver really kind of stepped up to the forefront on Sunday, other than the Calderon, Wagner, Belog, Sanchez, we expect to be quick up there, was Matt Gadera on the uh, the Bennett. He ends up winning the pre-final, and then he and Calderon locked up uh, in the in the main event to try to get away. Yeah, he actually had fast lap of the main event on Saturday. Was there right there in the mix, but electrical issue dropped him, dropped his pace, and eventually he retired. Uh, due to that mechanical issue. So uh, he certainly had the pace to challenge all weekend long. Saturday just didn't go his way. But Sunday, looking to be that way uh, as he and Calderon kind of broke away. And then you had Wagner just kind of trailing both of those drivers, knowing he had to finish ahead of Belog. That was kind of the story going into the main event. If he finished ahead of Belog, he had the championship. Belog for somehow had, had a bad start and lost a lot of ground and just didn't quite have the pace to keep up with he the went, top three. You're right. He went way back and had, had, had to get come through. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So up front, it was, you know, Gadara and Calderon basically fighting for the victory. They kind of went back and forth with the lead. But a strong last lap by Calderon allowed him to get a little bit of space. And then Wagner actually challenged Gudera for the second spot. So that gave Calderon a little bit more breathing room. And he was able to sail to uh, to the start-finish line to uh, take the checkered flag first. Uh, yeah, indeed. So it was Calderon, Gudera, and Wagner. Luca, uh, Luca, Pop, uh, Pop. Got me, got me saying it wrong now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Popescu. Popescu. Uh, he was actually fourth on track, but got a two-spot penalty that brought Julian Sanchez up into fourth. Uh, Gabriel Belog, who, as I said, was back, and and I think it was seven seconds back at one point. He needed them to battle a lot more up front to be able to catch up like he did. He ends up P5. And David, in the end, that was enough. Belog coming in with a couple of top five finishes. Wagner goes P1 and P3. And in the end, able to come away with a championship for Braden Wagner by 20 points over Gabriel Belog. Popescu ended up P3, 47 points back. 
Yeah, it's a t- it's a tough way to end for Bilal because he had such a great weekend in Tucson and Phoenix, and somehow you know just, again championships you got to be consistent throughout, and unfortunately just again you know you look at his fast lap he was literally seven tenths slower than Calderon and Gadera, so that that you know something just wasn't right, and unfortunately it just happened at the wrong time for him, but uh, you know it's something to learn from you know. Take take you know take the hit and keep going because you know certainly had a great uh, couple of months there in in Tucson and Phoenix. Yeah, most definitely a breakthrough uh, start to the season for Gabriel Bullock for sure. Put your head down, keep digging, and and you'll get more. All right, folks, uh, quick break here. When we get back, we'll wrap up the race report presented by Dig Chain. We're going to go 100 cc. We'll talk senior, junior, and master. Is IndyCar your dream? If it is, for 2023 and beyond, the path from karting. IndyCar has gotten even clearer. It's time to look into the new USF Juniors program and the brand new Tatus JR23. As the first step of the newly rebranded USF Pro Championships presented by Cooper Tires, the USF Junior Series will feature a six-event, 16-race schedule to train racers for the move into the USF 2000 Championship presented by Cooper Tires. The USF Juniors champion will win a scholarship worth over $248,000 and the total prize fund will exceed $330,000. The series will also debut the new Tatus JR23 race car in 2023, which is a development version of the USF22 used in USF2000. It's the ideal entry point for career-minded carters moving on to the car racing ladder. Safety is always front and center in the mind of the series promoters, and the USF Juniors car features a halo, and the races are supported by members of the AMR IndyCar safety team. If IndyCar is your goal, USF Juniors is the starting line. For more information, visit www.usfjuniors.com and follow USF Juniors on social media. Wins in the sport's biggest races and championships in national and regional series all over the country, they're all on Nitro Kart's growing resume. Nitro Kart continues to make its statement as the best, fastest and winningest cadet chassis on the American market. In 2021, Kart won the three biggest crowns in America in the Microsoft division with Mateo, Rosu in the Scusa Pro Tour and both the Super Nationals and the USPKS titles with Keelan Harvick. At the Super Nats alone, three of the top five drivers on the podium got there on a Nitro Kart. The results are clear. If you want to win in cadet, get a Nitro Kart and join our team. At Nitro Kart, we're all about driver development. Nick Tucker and the Nitro Crew's racing resumes are extensive, and their passion for helping our kids learn is unparalleled. Racing is about consistent learning, and that's what we're all about here at Nitro Kart. Never wanting to quit, we've continued to extend the reach of our driver development program. In addition to expanding into the junior and senior karting categories, we've also launched Nitro Motorsports, which will field two cars this season in the Trans Am by Pirelli Series, one being piloted by karting champion Brent Cruz. Not only can we develop your young driver, but we can also provide the platform if a move to cars is in your plan. And our second seat is available. If you're serious about your driver's career, contact us today. In racing, experience is priceless. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry with over 50 years of combined karting experience, and we can provide you with everything you need to go racing. With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a wide variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. 
Check out our online store at www.franklincart.com where all our products are just a mouse click away. We're constantly adding to the growing product selection on the online store and we ship daily to ensure products get to you quickly. We specialize in IAMI engines, tilt seats, ceramic products, driveline branded products, Briggs & Stratton engines, OTK products, and of course, the championship winning Merlin chassis. In our online store, you'll find a variety of items to fill your karting needs. Franklin Motorsports is also known for our wide variety of services and is home to innovative engine works by FMS, our in-house engine service department. Frame straightening, cart prep, and dyno testing are all services offered regularly at Franklin Motorsports. For all things karting, visit franklincart.com. Back at it here with episode number 111 of our EKN Debrief, our race report podcast that wraps things up for the EKN trackside live coverage of the championship finale of the Challenge of the Americas at Sonoma Raceway this past weekend, April 14th to 16th. We'll wrap up the race report here presented by DID Chain with the uh, Senior 100cc class presented by Forward Direction Motorsports. Here's your headline. Keeble and Vasquez claim series firsts. Yeah, again, we're keeping with the uh, the drivers getting their first victories uh, at the challenge. That certainly was a big story throughout the year and was, again, in Sonoma. Uh, we thought we were going to have a different winner with uh, a debut senior driver with Anthony White making his senior debut on the weekend aboard the CRG. Out the back of the pickup with him and his dad, Joe yeah. White, set fast time in Saturday qualifying. An amazing run for him. Unfortunately, the youngster got a little roughed up in the pre-final, kind of got shuffled around, and and especially by Harley Keeble as he was able to kind of knife his way up to the front and to be able to score that pre-final victory. Uh, but it was Keeble who got roughed up early in the main event. They all saw him and attacked quickly, and he actually fell back to 10th. And then from there, it was just a number of different drivers trying to assert themselves as a leader. You had Steven Isert, Jesus Vasquez, Chase Han, and a number of others just fighting up front. So that allowed Keeble to kind of work his way back up through the field and eventually got up to the leaders. Uh, And then from there, it was kind of just a a great battle uh, uh, for the lead, including Keeble. Uh, Matt or Rob, I'm not quite sure exactly how the race kind of unfolded at the end there. Yeah, I, I, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, they, again, like you said, they, the guys up front kind of settled in and battled but with them <laughs> by themselves. They may have been able to pull away, but there was so much aggressive racing. Got guys diving in, you know, diving into the inside of all these corners, turn six, turn, number one, obviously one, but six, nine, and they just kept they just kept going side by side, coming out of the corners, and literally Keeble, who was a ton of weight, his way back. Uh, he just kind of slowly worked his way forward, picked everybody off. And I want to say the final move was coming out of turn number 10. It got kind of got stacked up a little bit. He was able to get a uh, move to the inside and turn 11, which is the kink on the back straightaway. He was able to kind of get to the inside there and was able to, to wrap things up. And from there was able to pull away. Cause once he got in the lead, the battling didn't stop. They kept fighting back and forth for second, third and fourth. That's, that's why it ended up being a decent victory. I think. Yeah. So looking at, looking at, uh, the penalties, this was a lot, there was a lot of penalties out there. So Keeble did cross the line first ahead of Isert. Uh, and, but we were going to, we were going to do the scale video, but I saw them handing out penalties. Now That's I recall right. this. So Keeble got a three second penalty for passing under yellow, but Isert also received a, uh, I believe a, let me get his number again. Hold on. Where'd we go? 939, a pushback bumper penalty. If I recall, 
or no, two wheels out at that's what it was. It was a wild start. There's so a he lot had of guys two, around. That's right. Yes, he that's... had two wheels out of the line. So he got a two position penalty. So it put Keeble back into the top spot, dropped Isert to the third position. Liam Letch then was able to slot up into the second spot as he was right there uh, in that second in that, that second group behind Keeble and Isert. David, I also think Letch might have been the only guy within the tram lines at the start. Remember? <laughs> Probably, uh, you know, because hold on, let me, let me look at the lap chart. This Cause I didn't write this part, so I couldn't remember exactly how it went. Okay, uh, cause I want, cause you said who was up there. Yeah. Lech finished, actually finished third on the racetrack, but didn't you say Vasquez? Yeah, he was, oh, he got shuffled back. That's right. He had, uh, he went off, off track when they were battling at one time. So that, that was it. So that's why he wasn't into the top five, but a number of drivers, I think they had what 15 different penalties, uh, including <laughs> what six, seven drivers with wheels out at yep. the start. Yep. And then you got, uh, six drivers with full pushback bumpers and you got cutting track and contact and, wow. and passing under yellow. So a full slate of penalties <laughs> in this okay. main event. I, I know that when it happened, like you said, you were getting ready to run out and do the, the winner interview. And you're like, no, I'm not going to bother because I have no idea who's eventually going to win this because it was a right. huge stack of penalties, mm-hmm. especially which I thought we, we all thought was kind of so odd. Literally, they came up to the green and hardly anybody in the front of the of the pack was in their tram lines. They were all like two wheels out in the middle of the track. It was really weird why, why all of a sudden they, they forgot about that coming to the green flag. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think Keeble didn't keep a consistent pace. That might have sh- bumped, j- you know, jumbled up the field a little bit. So I don't, I'm not sure if that was part of the issue or not. Um, you know, kind of caught people off guard. Uh, again, when you know somebody new is at the at the uh, on the pole position, you kind of got to go what he's going to do. And sure. you know, typically everybody has follows the kind of the same procedure. Well, maybe he did his own little, you know, playing playing a chess game there for a little bit. <laughs> uh, coming back in on Sunday, Chase Hand, who had qualified on the outside of the front row alongside Anthony White on Saturday, was the guy that was P1 in the uh, Sunday qualifying session. Uh, he held on to the position, David, to uh, win the pre-finals, well started on the pole there. So it was Hand on the on the inside, uh, Stephen Isert on the outside. Uh, but as things kind of shook out, uh, Jesus Vasquez really kind of stepped things up. You mentioned go- him going off a bit in the main event on Saturday, but he was really, the driver was attacking, but he was really aggressive, like, not, not not aggressive at a negative point, like a positively aggressive, really got after it uh, in the main event on Sunday. Yeah, wanted to, yeah wanted to get to the front. That's exactly what you know was looking to get himself into the lead, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, you know, it was Isert and Hand that were kind of jostling position early through the first half, but then Vasquez finally put himself uh, into the lead by lap twelve, and basically from there was able to kind of fend off any type of challenge against him there. <clears throat> And they were also still kind of battling behind him for that second spot. So it kind of some some lap it helped and then they would catch back up and they would start fighting for second again. So a little bit of that. And then he was also able to fend off any type of challenges. So uh, all in all, a good second half in the main event for Jesus Vasquez as he was able to drive off to uh, his first series victory. Yeah, one of the drivers who put on a show coming from the back too was a Harley Keyball. Was it? Did we figure out it was an engine issue? I think in the pre-final, Dave. Yeah, it was a it was a uh, seized engine, so had to uh, replace, and it was happened right on the first lap of the pre-final. So in turn six, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it started from uh, all the way back in thirty-first. Wow, and then just scrapped his way forward. So good, good for him to work his way back up there, uh, up to where did he end up finishing? Actually, yeah, was in the fight, uh, so. got into the top five. Uh, but then got shuffled back at the end, so ended up finishing in the sixth spot. Okay, there you go. 
Uh, Kira Kosukas was in the fight there as well, ready for Alex Keys Racing on the Burrell Art. We talked about uh, Steven Iser coming home third. Uh, Hand was in the fight too. It was aggressive racing for sure. He ended up in the four spot. And to be honest, Timothy Carroll, who ends up finishing in fifth, I want to say he was back in like sixth or seventh, probably seventh, I think, at the end. The last lap was wild. And the way it kind of played out, because they were stacking up in turn number nine, they came back around to turn number 10. We had guys diving to the inside, outside through turn number 10 as well. And, and actually, Timothy Carroll, who was in the championship contention uh, coming into the the uh, end of the end of the weekend, didn't have the best weekend in terms of what he got on Saturday. But David, he ends up wrapping up the top five. Yeah, able to get ahead of, ahead of Keeble there at the checkered flag. Yeah. And unlike Saturday's main event, Sunday's main event, no penalties. All right, then. <laughs> and it's it's just it boggles my mind how we can do you would think sunday would be that race that would have tons of penalties and crashes well because I, I always say that the intensity r- ramps up right on it does you know there's nothing yeah. else to do you, know, you go all out right let's do it yeah all right liam lutch ends up winning the championship he had a really good hold of it coming in as well because the driver who was second in points josh campbell uh not there on the weekend uh steven eiser with a, with a strong weekend as we know third uh, both days on the podium, both days ends up closing up to 54 points back, but Lech with another championship for GFC and uh, Chase Hand, third place, 93 points back. And he didn't run Tucson. He wasn't up the opening round. Yeah, that's that. That's the really interesting part about yeah. it, because typically you got a driver who only does four of the rounds. Uh, they're not going to end up anywhere in the championship, but, uh, for somehow, some way, you know, obviously you had a victory and I think another podium in Tucson as well. So, and then you had two more top fives, like that's a consistent, uh, you know, a uh, couple of, you know, four rounds of racing. Yeah. So that's what ex- essentially got him into the third spot because everybody else was just kind of all over the place in terms of results and Lech, let's say this at one time in the main event, he did not have the championship lead. Oh, very, point. very true. Yeah, uh, it was uh, he got shuffled back at the start and was outside the top 20 and needed to finish inside the top 20 to secure a championship. Uh, so uh, opening lap, it was Steven Eisert's leading the provisional championship. Oh, no, he got back into the top 20. So uh, exactly right. at one point, you know, there was a, a little bit of worry from the Lech camp. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, all right, so let's move in and wrap things up here for the race report. We'll go 100cc junior brought to you by Nash Motorsports. Here's the headline. First victories for Altman and Corn as championship goes down to the wire. It certainly did. And again, first victory seems to be the theme right now. And Spencer Smith trying to be one of those drivers to get that was a surprise in qualifying as he was able to land the fast time in qualifying. Uh, did not hold the top spot. However, though, through the pre-final, it was Max Altman uh, moving into the top spot. And then from there, Altman was pretty much challenged uh, by Gonzalez throughout the main event early, uh, but he was then drifted back and fell back to, I believe, the fifth spot by the time the checkered flag came out. But out front, Altman was able to kind of essentially lead the most of the most of the way and drive to a 1.8 second victory over Nick's Eggleston, the championship contender coming into the weekend with three victories, uh, but trailing Gonzalez in the championship. Uh Yana Kapoor, she had a great drive on Saturday, able to drive her way up into the third spot for a her first series podium finish uh, ahead of Gage Korn in the fourth spot. And then Nico Serfati in the fifth spot uh, because of a penalty to Gonzalez for uh, cutting the racetrack. So that dropped him from the fifth spot, moving him down to ninth. So costing him some valuable championship points there. 
Another good shout-out for Yana Kapoor for Leading Edge Motorsports on that Tony car. She was actually the fastest driver in the pre-final as well. Turned fast lap there and then worked her way forward, was uh, showing great racecraft. And so for her to be able to be able on the podium here at the Challenge, I think that's going to be awesome for her when she gets back to club racing. Great job for Yana there. Um, and speaking of young women doing great on the weekend, so Yana has a fantastic run. She's, she's fastest in the pre-final. She gets on the podium uh, in the main event on Saturday. And then Peyton Westcott, young lady for Nash Motorsports, uh, uh, who works with Matt Johnson, ends up qualifying on pole on Sunday. Yeah, it was great lap by her. Used the draft wisely, had a big group ahead of her and timed it out just perfectly. So she became the fifth different top qualifier on the year. So we had five different drivers on the season earn top qualifier status. The only driver to double that up, Nix Eggleston, who was uh, looking to get some more championship points for himself and did so by winning the prefinal. So that certainly helped gain more points in his favor ahead of Alexander Gonzalez for the championship run. Uh, Eggleston with the pole position for the main event, he led the opening seven laps, but then it was chaos after that. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you, I'll let you talk about it. You want me to do it? Yep. Uh, you uh, you chimed in. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I probably should have backed out of that. We'll let you do it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, sounds like a pass you were trying to make Rob. Yeah. (laughs) Indeed. There was contact over. Uh, so, okay. So Eggleston bobbles a bit, uh, coming through tic-tac-toe. Everything gets kind of crazy uh, coming into turn number six, which is the left-hander. Again, we talked about the contact there already. Now, the you know, the two drivers of the championship fight are Eggleston and Gonzalez. Well, they come into turn number six, and from my view where I was watching, Gonzalez was making a move to get by Westcott, right, for whatever position it was at that point. But then Gonzalez continued to go, got up on the curb on the inside, and literally, my, from what I saw, the car just got, of course, there's no way he's making the corner for the, how close he was. Gets into the side of Eggleston. Eggleston four wheels off on the outside and eventually into the tires on the outside of the corner. He's, of course, can't believe what just happened. The championship's gone. Gonzalez rolls up the road. Your thoughts on that, David? Pretty much the same, or do you have a different view of it? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, Gonzalez, who had a great first couple of laps, started 16th. Yeah. Uh, got a great jump. I think he passed like eight carts going into tic-tac-toe at one time. So it was a, it was a great, uh, you know, first seven laps by Gonzalez and yeah, just, you know, went for more than I think he could get. And, you know, Eggleston was pretty much already going to the apex and was almost there. Gonzalez jumped the curb to try to avoid him. Contact was made. They both pushed off the, to the exit and, uh, Eggleston hit the tires that were right there. And uh, unfortunately, ended his race. Gonzalez was able to power through and keep going, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was again not an aggressive move. It was just a, a bold pass that just did not play out, and unfortunately, was uh, you know a lot of contact was made. Yeah, I think Gonzalez had just stopped where he he was because the pass on Westcott was what he was trying for. <laughs> I think yeah. he saw the opening. and was like, well, maybe I can get another one. I think right. had, he, had he just checked up and got got the uh, the Westcott pass done, he probably would have been okay. But that as soon as that contact happened, the, the race control, you know, the, the race directors were, were right there. It's literally right when you come back across start finish line. So, you know, I know Mark Michione stands right essentially right there. So. Uh, all eyes were on it. Let's put it that way. Uh, mm-hmm. And in, and in the end, let's let's keep rolling because uh, Christian Cameron was actually the driver out of the gate who went to the lead early. Gage Corm was in there as well. You know, Cameron was having a really good run. Uh, but in the end, the, you know, things got kind of exciting at the end as Gonzalez kept pushing hard to move forward. Yeah, Gonzalez kept pushing. Uh, was into the third spot, trying to catch back up. 
uh, to the top two. As you said, Cameron was leaning over Corn, And then the last lap, you know, everything kind of went crazy again. You know, Gonzalez had closed up to Cameron and Corn as they were, you know, going back and forth over, over the corner, you know, last few corners. Uh, I want to say there was contact. I think Gonzalez made a move for the lead. Uh, or or corn somehow. I think I think corn made the move to the apex of ten, right? Yeah, by Cameron, I think, on the final lap. Yeah, and then so that allowed. I think I think you know I don't know if there was contact made or somebody went off. I think Cameron went off he track went off, and four, spun four around. wheels off. Yeah. So corn, I think, was in the lead, but Gonzalez had the momentum and got alongside him going into the kink, and then yep. came through the last corner uh, in the lead, and then came to the checkered flag and was the uh, the provisional winner uh, at the checkered flag. Indeed. So he does get the provisional win, but with the contact that happened with he and Eggleston, it was a 10-second penalty. Dropped him down to seventh in points in the final results. Eggleston, of course, out with a, you know, in, in at the tail of the grid. So essentially that's his drop. How's it all play out in the championship, Dave? Let's go to the results yeah, first. The, yeah. yeah, again, with the with the that penalty and a number of other different penalties, well, with that first penalty on Gonzalez, that moved Corn up into the, the top spot of the podium. And it kind of shuffled things out because Gonzalez actually would have fallen down to ninth. So he would have lost a lot more points, but other penalties moved him up to the seventh spot because of, of you know the way the penalties are assessed. Yep. Uh, so it put Corn on top of the podium. It moved Nico Serfati into the second spot for his first podium in the category. He did a great job uh, all weekend. Yeah, Keegan Keegan Kaminsky into the third position. He had a great drive from behind because I think I think he wrecked in the opening lap of the prefinals. So he had a had to drive basically through the entire field all day long. Uh, Hudson Sharp made it three GFCs in second, third, and fourth, and then Turner Brown, uh, another junior rookie, finishing in the top five. And the championship, when it came down to it, with all the penalties that kind of shook down, Eggleston ends up winning the title by just five points over Gonzalez. A big, uh, obviously, win for Corn at the end with all the penalties getting laid down. He ends up jumping up to P3, 70 points packed. But but the bottom line, all, all told, a very close championship battle. And even with the contact, now, of course, the penalty, Eggleston narrowly winning the championship by five points. Yeah, again, you, and you look at the cut track that Gonzalez had on Saturday, that cost him a lot of points there as well, too. So that, you know, even the Sunday stuff wouldn't have even mattered, uh, you know, had he not cut the track on on Saturday. So, but again, a lot of other things happened throughout the year as well. You know, there were qualifying points up for grabs. Oh, yeah. Again, yeah. Gonzalez only had one top qualifier, but Nick Eggleston had two. So yeah. there's your five points right there. Uh, again, that's the great thing about this, the way this championship format is, you know, you just never know what is going to cost you a championship. It, it could be the last lap of the race on, on round six, or it could be the first lap of round two or round okay. one. Uh, to, to segue to a master's hundred CC qualifying, mm-hmm. it, it could end up being just one pound. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's go to master's hundred CC uh, presented by ruthless Cardi. Here's your headline. Man wins the battle, but Kunches wins the war. It was, it was indeed, it wasn't really a war. It was more of a, a, a boxing match between, between these two. Well, I mean, the war is being the, the, I get the, it. The, I know, the, I know, the six I know. rounds, three weeks. I, I like it. I, this could have been a heavy, a six round heavyweight fight though. Yeah, it could be that too. <laughs> I guess. Because essentially, you know, Kunchez won the opening three rounds uh, on the year. And then man won the final three rounds on the year. Cause uh, again, Chris Mann was able to, to put the pressure on Kunchez. Uh, but it didn't look that way in qualifying in the pre on Saturday. Kunchez was 
quicker than than man both in, in both of those no, sections. No, no, no. Remember that this is where it happens. Remember, man was P1 in qualifying, wasn't it? Yeah, remember, man was P1 in qualifying. Oh, that's on right. Saturday. On Saturday. I thought it was Sunday. There. Sorry. So, yes. Sorry. So Ian Kunches ends up getting the wasn't in my Saturday, notes, Rob. But Chris Mann, Chris Mann, I figured you would remember that one. Chris Mann, even, even though he ate two hamburgers on Friday night, uh, smash burgers on Friday night, ends up coming up one pound light in Saturday qualifying. So there's five points. Kunches qualified second. Mm-hmm. So Mann loses the five points. Kunches takes the five points that Mann dropped on the table. Mm-hmm. A 10-point swing overall. Ian Kunches ends up on pole. Mann starts at the back of the field. Kunches goes on to win the pre-final. Go from there. Yeah, because man, man drove up through the field, but just yeah. wasn't able to get uh, around Kunchez for the pre-final win. So again, that was a one-point difference one point. there. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Uh, you know that that again, everything matters. So mm-hmm. uh, so that was the interesting part. But um, I'm trying to remember the main event. So well, I man, think Kunchez, man, was, man was able to get by Kunchez finally and pulled away. Yeah, it wasn't right. it wasn't right at no, the start. I think Kunchez was able. I think the the better start was on. Uh, no, I think I think man oh, went maybe around. This that, was the one. I think okay. man went around the outside of him on turn one. Yeah, they they yeah, jumped too around many the races. outside. We got to have the one finals, dude. I hundred <laughs> percent. So yeah, man took the man, man took the lead from the very the very get go and then pulled away. Uh, Ian Kunchez was because yes. because he, here's the other thing too. Okay, you wrote Kunches, this. I didn't. That's why I, I can't remember because I didn't write it. So yes, man so, had the good, great run from the outside of the front row and and yeah. and led wire to wire. So Ian Kunchez sitting there in second. I'm good. I'll get you know I'll get second place points. Although David Pergande, who came back to run with uh, with JH Motorsports on the LN cart this weekend, he actually got by. He was right with Kunchez for a majority of that race. Actually went by for a couple of laps. Went to second, moving Kunchez back to third which was huge for man, right? In terms of the championship. Kunches, though, digs in, settles back down, goes back by for a second. Pergandi starts to fade a bit. He was having an engine issue, I believe. I think you we talked to him afterwards. So he ends up finishing third. But Kunches, again, because folks, when, it, when it's all said and done, Kunches wins the championship by two points. So we're kind of going back and forth on every position because it was a two-point advantage. And so many times throughout this weekend, whether it was – whether it was man losing the pole position, losing those five points and giving him to Kunches, or or him not being able to get by Ian in the pre-final, right? Because that would have been a point. That would, that's a two-point swing right there, right? If uh, yeah. if Kunches if he gets nine points, not the ten points from the pre-main, at pre-main, we're, we're tied in points at the end of the weekend. So and, and indeed it got pretty crazy. Pergande held on for third. Scott Fermanic was kind of by himself in the fourth spot, and Ron Schoonover rounded out the top five. So again, that sets the stage where Kunches knows kind of what he needs to do. David coming in on Sunday, and Chris Mann needed to sweep the day. He needed everything, and Ian Kunches was the fastest driver in qualifying. Yeah, again, that... Okay, so we're talking about... I'm getting I'm getting all confused, because I'm... I moved, I'm, to, I'm I moved to Sunday. Okay. I moved to Sunday. All right. I thought you were talking about Sunday. Sorry. No, I was talking about Saturday there, because it was, it right, was Mann, I, yeah. Mann, Kunches, Pergande, Fermanic, Schooner on, uh, Schoonover on, on right. Saturday. We this, rolled. Is, this is what happens when I don't write it. I can't remember. <laughs> well, I, then, you, then guess what? Guess uh, who's not writing any more notes? Yes. Yep. 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 So no. I'll, see, the problem was I thought. See, I thought Man won the pre-final on Sunday too. So that's where I'm confused. He I, did I, win the pre-final I, I, on I, Sunday. No, he didn't. That's not what they how they have the results. I'm sure he won the pre-final on Sunday. No, I think I. Because I think um, I think Kunches came up through the field and won that prefile and stole stole that one point again over over man. So that's right. Okay, now I remember how sure? that happened. Yep, yep, yep. 
so Kunchez, remember, qualified quickest, but because he made wholesale changes overnight, had to start the pre-final from the back. Again, this is craziness. This just these two drivers is craziness. It could be a whole season for between these two drivers. That's so, true. Keep talking about Kunch, that. Too. So right. Kunchez started Sunday on a brand new chassis, brand new engine. So they allowed him to qualifying with it, but had to start the pre-final from the back. But because there was only seven drivers in the field, Kunchez was able to drive his way forward, get by man, I think within, yeah, with the, by the halfway point, and then went on to win as man wasn't able to get her back around him for the lead to try and steal those points from him, that one point extra. Yeah, uh, so, from him in the prefrontal. So, so now, Kunch, I, now I'm yeah. up to speed again. All yeah. right, Kunch has won the Kunch has won the prefrontal. You're right. That's my that's my mistake yep. on that deal. Yeah. So yep. then in the main, you know, all Chris Mann can do is win, right? Got, Chris got, Mann can, can win and get get the fast point or fast lap bonus points. That's, that's what it. he needed to do. That's, that's all it. he could do. Yep. He had to rely now on Kunchez finishing third in order to win the championship. So here's the, the crazy thing is that we don't see Dan, Daniel Jones on Saturday. He's not able to run on Saturday. I think he had a wedding or something to go to or something like that. He ends up yep. coming back. Daniel Jones was on a CRG. Kunchez is running second, but Jones is right with him. So if Jones finishes second, man wins the championship. Kunchez needs to get by. Jones was sitting with him the entire race long, just sat there, sat there, looked super comfortable, finally ends up making the pass. Right, goes to P2. Man's gonna win the championship. And Kunches tries him back in turn one a lap later, can't quite get it done. Next lap does it again in turn number one, dives up the inside, makes the pass stick. Literally, that pass gave him the championship, uh, gave him the championship. Crazy. Exactly. And then and then Jones kept the pressure on throughout the entire race till the last lap, till the last corner, thought about setting him up for a kind of an over-under move because I, I believe Kunchez was running a defensive line in the final yeah. corner. And as they were setting up to make the turn, Jones drops a wheel, spins off and and drives and spins off into the grass, allowing Kunchez because literally Daniel Jones had the entire ruthless camp cheering him on the entire race. It was great. <laughs> it's great to kind of watch that from the from the scale line. So when when he made when when he dropped the wheel and began to spin, they all went, oh you don't know, you know, just just Agony Listen, of defeat. And I want to say this: what we saw. We always talk about carding. You want big fields. It only takes two drivers, right? This is all the excitement yeah. for this particular category was two guys going for a championship. You had a couple of the guys in the discussion with Pergandi and Jones. And again, this is this is a huge topic because it was it was the closest championship on the whole year uh, because two guys were battling it out. They both won three races on the year. It's it's about every other point you can get when you're not winning races. It's amazing. Yeah. Let, can, can we can we dive a little bit into the championship now or do Go you want it. to do top five no, well this is okay so kunchez finishes second pergande gets another podium finish in third with jones spinning off luke tracy moves up into the fourth spot jones ended up rejoining the racetrack to finish fifth but yeah. you look at again you look because we we're trying to set up okay what are tiebreakers you know yeah well, who has the most who has the most wins that would be tie because they <laughs> would each have three well, who has uh, the most second place finishes? Well, they each have three second place finishes each because they would finish second to each other in each of the six main events. Yeah. So, okay, well, what you, do we? You can't go to thirds because nobody finished third. Nobody finished third. So, okay, what's the next tiebreaker, Andy? He's like, I don't know if I have one written. <laughs> so, so to kind of help break this down a little bit further, each of them had three top qualifier. Uh, awards or top qual or top qualifiers. So 
Kunches had three. Christopher Mann had three. All right. So now you look at pre-finals. This is where it gets a little interesting. Kunches had four pre-final wins to Christopher Mann's two. So you can, I can even remember in Tucson, Mann was on Kunches a lot throughout the pre-finals and missed out on a win there, missed out on a win there. So where Phoenix, Mann got both of the pre-final wins there. So Kunches, because of picking up, basically you could say winning that pre-final, aside from beating Jones in the main event, which we expected him to do, but barely didn't, that pre-final win on Sunday to go from last to first, that essentially clinched him the championship. Wow, isn't that crazy? Yeah, there you go. Again, again, super close. Ian Kunches uh, wins another championship. Of course, he uh, had uh, won last year in 2022, uh, had locked it in by Saturday and actually ran the senior category on Sunday. So not so lucky this time for Ian Kunches, but another win for Forward Direction Motorsports on the cop cart. Uh, Chris Manny, valiant effort. He comes in second. And, and Jones, even though he did not uh, have a drop because he had to drop a zero-pointer, uh, he ends up back in third with 131 points back. All told, David's a great championship battle and it was a great storyline throughout the entire weekend. Amazing. I mean, like I said, we could we could do a whole podcast just on these two guys. <laughs> we probably could. We almost and have, but we almost you know, have. We could, we, right. could do, we could break it down even more. <laughs> one more, speaking of breaks, one more break. When we get back, we'll wrap things up. We'll look at the Constructors' Championship and we'll have a look at the Ecan Trackside Live Race calendar. We'll cap things off. This is this new the debrief after this. Established in 1999, PSL Karting has become a powerhouse within the karting industry for North America and around the world. PSL Karting is your complete source for all Burrell Art products as the North American importer, providing this top quality product through both their expansive dealer network or through the pslkarting.com online store. Whatever you need is available 24-7 online, including safety gear, parts, components, and full karting packages. All three brands, Morel Art, Ricardo Kart, and Charles Leclerc Karts are in stock and ready to hit the track. Grab your winning chassis for any category by visiting pslkarting.com to find your nearest dealer. PSL Karting is always looking for interest in new dealers and teams to help create new business relationships. Drivers looking to take their talents to the next level can join the Burrell Art North America race team competing at all the major U.S. and Canadian events this season. When you're ready to win, go with PSL Karting. Motor mounts. They keep your engine attached to your chassis, right? The answer is, they're much more important than that. Your motor mount is critical in transferring 100% of the power from your engine through to your tires and the racetrack. You need this to get on the podium each and every time you race. Odenthal Racing Products is here for you, providing the best motor mounts on the karting market today, all designed to make sure you're using all the horsepower you pay for. Odenthal Racing Products is a family-owned and operated business with decades of karting experience in providing products with unmatched quality and value for our racing community. The Pro Series mount for two cycle engines, which is available in 0, 5, and 8 degree inclinations, provides a rigid structure to help keep vibration to a minimum without adding too much weight to your setup. The 4 cycle Easy Set System is one of the most popular mounts for the Briggs & Stratton 206 power plant. Multiple mounting holes provide the most adjustability depending on your chassis and seat placement. To ensure a tight fit to your chassis, 
our ORP wedge clamps get the job done. And they feature a number of design updates to provide a lower profile and lighter weight. The clamps are available from 28mm to 32mm in both standard and Euro style sizes. And now, Oluthal has also revolutionized the karting industry with its new EasyGP camera mounting system. Designed to mount anywhere on your chassis with one or two cameras, the ORP EZGP camera mount is your solution to capture that onboard winning moment. Head to OdenthalRacing.com and find a dealer near you. Odenthal Racing Products, proudly made in the USA. It all started in my parents' garage, MPG. That's the foundation for MPG Motorsports, which grew from a small home garage into one of the top race teams and kart shops in the industry. A true passion for motorsports runs deep in the DNA of MPG, which has developed strong connections within karting. Now based at Whiteland Raceway Park in central Indiana, MPG Motorsports offers a wide range of opportunities through its race team while providing a full-service kart shop as an official dealer for the Kart Republic brand. The MPG Motorsports race team is led by ownership partner and karting champion Chase Jones and provides full trackside service and driver development. Be part of the MPG program at the United States Pro Kart Series, Stars Championship Series, and Route 66 Sprint Series events with arrive and drive opportunities available at those programs along with the Whiteland Club races this season. A new 3,500 square foot shop is currently under construction at the Whiteland Raceway Park in Whiteland, Indiana for the new home of MPG Motorsports. The new headquarters will provide local and regional racers with a full service race shop and they'll provide a wide range of parts and supplies to racers, including the full chassis line of the Kart Republic brand. For more information, head to mpg-motorsports.com and follow us on social media. Let MPG take your motorsports career in the direction of your choice. Welcome back to the ECAN debrief of the Challenge of the Americas. We capped off all the Winter Series programs here for 2023. Uh, Rob Howden alongside David Cole. Episode number 111. Let's wrap things up from the Challenge finale in Sonoma. David, bottom line is... Pretty good weather all weekend long. A little cooler in the mornings, up to the low 60s by late afternoons. We didn't have any rain. We had blue skies. It was really just a great weekend in Sonoma. I think this is the first challenge we didn't have any rain. Yeah, wow. At all. Right. At all. All Man. three weekends. I don't think we've, I, every, whether we have, you know, a little bit at Sonoma or a little bit at Cal Speed, you know, maybe freezing temperatures in Tucson. <laughs> We didn't have, we didn't have any, we had wind. We had lots of wind, lots Tucson, of wind. we had wind, we had Tucson, you know, Phoenix and Sonoma, we had wind, but uh, no rain. So that was uh, a good, uh, you know, you can't ask for anything more. Uh, you look at uh, the, cons the consistency of the attendance. And again, I, I, you guaranteed Andy safe and say, Hey, like, yeah, I'd love to have 10, 20% more drivers and we'd love to have more Canadians come down, but like 120, 117 was kind of the consistency across the, across the season, which is good. You didn't, you didn't have that big, you know, you know that the big cow speed jump and then the drop off overall pretty consistent run in terms of uh, the paddock size throughout the year. Yeah. Consistent is the word again. And we've talked about it in the numbers, you know, maybe more Canadians coming down, Maybe we can get some more drivers from the middle of the country, Colorado and Texas and, and elsewhere to be part of it next year. But uh, again, you know, still 120, 120 entries a high uh, when you have only seven categories running. That's still pretty good numbers. 100 pre-entries, as we talked about in our Outlap preview podcast, a, a big jump of 17 walk-ups 
uh, ended up bringing it up to 17 entries. So all told, again, a good walk-up number for the event at Sonoma. One thing I, I added to this, the, the script, David, here was, and as we're kind of going through things, for Gary Carlton, you know, the GFC team has really put a lot of focus on this challenge, right? While other teams are, are traveling and trying to go to Florida, Gary's really kind of focusing on where he is, right, in California and the West Coast. Four championship titles for GFC which I thought was pretty impressive, right? They end up winning in the mini rock category, 100cc senior, and both of the gearbox classes, both shifter classes for GFC. So, man, just a really good season for Gary's program. Yeah, because, again, elsewhere, they're not really chasing other championships. You know, it's good to start the winner off with, with you know, a solid couple, you know, a couple events. We got the three. Of course, they're going to do Sonoma. It's, it's home. So, uh, yeah, you know, this is kind of their first, this is kind of really their major one they, they look at for championships. Aside from that, they go for race wins wherever their competitors want to go to. But uh, yeah, to, to nearly, you know, to have the large percentage of the championships go your way is a great start to the year. Yeah, agreed. The racing was really good, as we talked about from the, from the get-go. Sonoma just really, you know, the, just the way the track lays out and all the overtaking opportunities. Uh, I will say Championship Sunday was a lot more intense. It felt to me like with all the titles on the line, people were really getting aggressive for sure. One minor negative, but I'll come back with a bit of a positive on it. I, it was, uh, I think, the Andy says the first red flag that we've had in, what, two years on the challenge uh, for the incident they had on the racetrack with Ty Fisher in the 100cc category. I think, it, I think that's what he said, right? Yeah, it's either two or three years. I, yeah. you know, it, I can't even recall the last time we did have a red flag uh, at the challenge. And, and really, in, in all of karting, you know, it's been a long – I think, you know, we had a couple um, – at an event, I, I can't recall where, but majority of the races that we had over the last couple of years, we've not yeah. seen very many, if at all, red flags. So Agreed. again, just, yeah. you know, again, you, the, the, the red flag was more for precaution. He said his head hurt, his back was hurting. So again, you want when it's when it's a child like that, you want to take precautions. And so really, that was the only reason for the red flag was that, you know, make sure he was able to uh, to be checked out without, uh, you know, any any type of injuries, you know, trying to move him. Uh, and again, because he was up and walking around having to, you know, hanging out with all the, with all his fellow drivers afterwards anyway. So, yeah, I was going to say, I messaged Craig Finer from race lab yesterday and asked, asked how he was doing, how he's feeling he's got a bit of a concussion, potentially scrapes and bruises, but, but he's okay, which is good for Ty Fisher. Yeah. That's exactly what you want to hear. Yeah. Uh, you know, after a red flag. So again, really it was for precaution. Let's have a look now at the Constructors' Championship. Uh, seven brands winning the 13 races, not 14, obviously, because we had only the one main event for drivers in OKN. Uh, Expree, obviously, with, with a strong weekend there uh, under the, uh, the uh, Ruthless Karting Camp with uh, Max Altman. Uh, uh, Altman running for Speed Sense and then Mann for... Um, Ruthless. Uh, for Ruthless. So three wins for Expree. Talked about GFC already, a couple of victories there. One in the Master Shifter class and one for Wagner, uh, David, and Mini Rock. Yeah, and then uh, three other brands with two victories as well. You had Hunter Pickett picking up two for Burrell Art. You had two with Sodi Kart as you had Keeble picking up a win in Senior 100cc and then Tim Barber in the Master or the Rock Shifter Master category. And then Vasquez and Nash picking up two wins for EOS Chassis. Uh, David, Corn uh, was he on the Kart Republic? Is that what, yeah, Cart Republic for corn, yeah. and then Calderon aboard the Illuminus, and they'll have so that's uh, one win each for those brands. Very nicely done. All right, let's go into the EK and Trackside Live Race Calendar. Let's wrap things up. This edition of the Race Calendar presented by Margate Racing and Ignite Karting. Are you interested in running a cart at one of the biggest karting events in 2023? 
Do you want to be part of the fastest growing series in the sport? Check out Margay Racing's Spec Ignite class and their Arrive and Drive packages. Nothing matches the affordability and competitive level of the Ignite program. It's just one set of tires, national level caliber drivers, where the best driver wins over the best equipment. Bring your safety gear and Margay will take care of the rest. This year's Ignite majors include the WKA Kart Week Dash at Daytona, the USAC Karting Elkhart Riverwalk Grand Prix, and the Rock Island Grand Prix on Labor Day weekend. And there are five Ignite Challenge Series running around the country this season. For more information, please visit ignitecarding.com today. Get off the couch and into a race seat in 2023. So, David, normally we, we talk about you know the races that are coming up. It's like we have two or three here, two or three here. It's a bit of a gap here right now, to be honest, trackside-wise, for our trackside coverage. You know, we're a couple of weeks away from you heading down to Speed Sports Racing Park for the first time for the USPKS Texas Grand Prix in New Caney, Texas. We got nothing in May, and then the next race after that is the Pro Tour Spring Nationals in June. So really, uh, over the next couple of months, only a couple of races going on track side wise. Yeah, it's uh, the month of May. Obviously, you'll be busy. You got uh, all the the whole month. You'll be in Indiana, but for us here at eCarding News, we'll not very much travel during that time. We'll we'll try and and obviously pick up some race reports and and get more insights into events going on regional and and international during that time but trackside yeah um next you know next weekend yeah next weekend i head out to uh to texas get to visit the speed sports racing park for the first time excited to uh to see that facility and and alan rudolph and jessica rudolph been able to put together and see the united states move uh west of the mississippi for the first time you know that's uh that's a, a pretty much groundbreaking um uh moment for for the or for that uh series and uh happy to be part of it and then uh yeah june 9th through the 11th at uh the spring nationals you'll be uh busy that weekend calling uh, the action there looking forward to it. that's utah motorsports campus in june so there you go folks those are our next couple of races where we'll have ekn trackside coverage that wraps up this edition of the ekn debrief as we wrapped up a, another edition the 16th edition of the challenge of the americas final th- thoughts david just a great opportunity to be there uh, you know, the challenge crew is like a family to all of us. We enjoy being there. We all have a great time together throughout those weekends. The the, the atmosphere at those races is, is just always so relaxed and inviting and everybody like, is there to have a great time. But uh, as always, great to hang out with Andy Saisman and the, and the crew out there. Yeah, always great to be part of the challenge family. Uh, you know, those three weekends are, are very fun, exciting, and, and we, we make a lot of memories. And it's great to kind of cover uh, our 12th season with the challenge, even though it's been going on for 16 years. Uh, this was our 12th season, I believe, uh, covering the program uh, with our trackside live coverage. So, uh, you know, had a number of people listening on the EKN radio app all weekend long. So that yeah. was great to see. Uh, and again, just great to be able to, you know, be part of history. You know, the challenge is part of history in, in our sport. I uh, got to see a number of first time winners this year and, and, and crowned uh, this year's champions. So always, always great to be part of that. Yeah, and one of the things that, that uh, you know Andy Sazman always does in the offseason, he tries to work with the, the pr- promoters the best he could. He's pretty proactive in terms of trying to make sure there's no conflicts with the major series. All those winter programs, of course, on the East Coast, his series as well, other, other programs in California, works aggressively to do that. And that, that's why we kind of moved this year to the uh, February, March, April dates to be able to kind of you know unclog some of the other months, uh, obviously January being pretty packed as it is. So Andy's done a great job. I say that because obviously looking forward to 2024, how is the challenge of the Americas going to schedule out? You know that Andy will do whatever he can 
to make sure that there is no conflicts in that program at all. And again, we do want to remember to remind people as well, the event in July, that is July 14th, 15th, 16th, it is Rock the Park at Pat's Acres up in Canby, Oregon. If you've never been to that racetrack, I said this before, it's a bucket list facility. If you if you want to have a great weekend in mid-July, uh, hook up the trailer. Uh, if you got a camper, do that. Head up and just enjoy yourself. I think that's going to be a fantastic event for sure. Uh, I know a live band, barbecues. We had a great time last year. I won't be able to make it this year with a conflict with my home race in Toronto with the USF Pro Championships. David Cole will be there. We'll have trackside coverage for EKN. So add that date to your schedule, July 14th, 15th, 16th. Rock the park. Uh, all put on by FTK Promotions. Folks, thank you so much for tuning into this edition of The Debrief. We wrapped up this year's Challenge of the Americas. On behalf of David Cole, my name's Rob Hadley. <laughs>